0: I was so shocked to find that I was a human being and that I needed to look after myself much better than I had been and that it wasn't just a given that if I just did all the stuff that I thought it said in the bible that everything would be fine and I could live like three lives at once. Nope. <laughs> so for me burnout caused me to have to dig an awful lot deeper into what well-being is and I wouldn't say it's the same as being well because I found the best well-being when I wasn't well but...
1: Welcome to Time to Grow. I appreciate you stopping by. This is a podcast focused on equipping you with the tools necessary to lead a more healthy life. Today on the program, I'm going to be joined by none other than the remarkable Ruth Rice. She's the founder and director of an organization called Renew Wellbeing, which is doing some really incredible work. She's also the author of a book called A to Z of Wellbeing. My name is Toso, and just so we're clear, I'm not a mental health expert but I will be sure to add some helpful resources in the show notes below. Let's dive right into this convo, as it's packed with a ton of great insights, and I'm super excited to share them with you. So, without further ado, this is Time to Grow. First up, I wanted to get a sense of Ruth's journey. Out of all the things to which she could have dedicated her life, she chose well-being, and I wanted to know why.
0: Thanks Tosso. I Interestingly and I don't even know whether we'll all have very different definitions of well-being or wellness as you're referring to and mine was I only really thought about it when I didn't have any so I had a massive breakdown about 12 years ago and I'd been you know really active Christian since I was a little girl and I was so shocked by it. I thought this was something that happened to other people. So you know it it. it, it Took its course, it was burnout for me. I did it to myself. Um, for other people, their mental and emotional health journey will be for other reasons and not of their own fault at all, but mine was. Um, and part, uh, partly church was part of that, you know, I really wore myself out. Um, and I suppose in doing so, I then became fascinated by well-being because I thought it was a bit of a given, you know, if you just press the right spiritual buttons, you know, read the right, have your quiet time every morning, keep serving the Lord with gladness, you know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I was so shocked to find that I was a human being and that I needed to look after myself much better than I had been. And that it wasn't just a given that if I just did all the stuff that I thought it said in the Bible, that everything would be fine and I could live like three lives at once nope <laughs> so for me burnout caused me to have to dig an awful lot deeper into what well-being is and i wouldn't say it's the same as being well because i found the best well-being when i wasn't well but i don't oh. know whether that's more you what what you want to know more about now or <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll get into that. definitely yeah, cool.
1: um on the on the topic of well being, there was a quote from your book A to Z of Well Being that I really like. The letter K was for kindness, and this was a line from that chapter. It said, "Kindness is not a duty, but an overflow." And I just wanted to get a sense of what you meant by that, and maybe some thoughts about how that has impacted you in terms of viewing kindness through the lens of abundance.
0: Interestingly, the the whole thing of overflow is it, it is this idea. I, I see my life like a bit of a cup that just emptied out overnight when I wasn't well, and it's taken me lots of steady daily habits to refill the cup and shared habits with other people. And I think one of those habits is kindness, but not just towards other people, but self-kindness, a bit of self-compassion, you know, to to recognise that you also need to be kind towards yourself. I think we speak so well. I'm talking for myself here, but I speak so harshly to myself not like I'd speak to anybody else Mm -hmm. and actually giving myself you know the same degree of kindness that I give to somebody else um and that's how we experience the kindness of God yes in our giving to other people but this sort of almost was brought up with a sort of thinking that was a bit selfish to look after yourself and you know we just everybody else first and and in a sense that's right you know Jesus lays down his life forever for us um But there's something about knowing that it's okay to be kind to yourself. And so for me, some of the little, you know, slowing down, trying to fit less in, having some hobbies... Having some hobbies, that was a thing. I thought church was a hobby. It wasn't, that's who I am. <laughs> I, need, I need a thing that I just sit down yeah. and do just because that taps into the creativity of God that's in me. And then these habits and rhythms of prayer that are still and steady and constant and not not you know, not setting the world on fire all the time, but certainly there's kindness, the kindness of God um, within those quieter moments, the calmer moments. fitting less in moments. And and that that revelation I had during the year, I wasn't well, that God didn't actually love me um, for what I was doing. He just loved me because he loved me. I mean, he said that to me really clearly. I was kind of reborn in that moment. And that kindness doesn't require for you to have to jump through some spiritual hoops to to receive it. You know, He's he's so kind to us.
1: I love that. Um, You spoke about kind of presence, prayerfulness, this idea of slowing down. And I wonder if there were some other tools that you have or some advice you could give in terms of how to practice silence and and prayer and finding those rhythms to rest.
0: Yeah, because I would say before I had this year before I would now say is the richest year of my life it was the horriblest one, but um, I would say I was a, I was a prayer, you know, but it was like a prayer warrior, and I would be, prayer was also work, and when I wasn't well, I couldn't even do that, and so to find rhythms and habits of prayer that were reliant on God being present rather than me having to do the stuff, you know, in fact, I sometimes say that praying before the breakdown was like worrying with my eyes shut, really, but now there's these things about like meditating on a bit of the psalms oh i love the psalms they're like mm. these rooms you can find yourself in and and it's always okay to pray i mean this week i'm meditating on psalm 64 and the meditation is "Here yeah, you hear me O lord my complaint is before you so actually to know that it's okay not to be okay even in prayer to have these bringing your whole self your honest self not the relentless positive christian self but everything so I, I found you know for me sitting still with my first cup of tea in the morning and drinking all of it whilst i sit still it's just a little spiritual habit that's like warfare for me it's like saying to the enemy that no, there is a god it's not me i'm just gonna sit here and for the duration of this copper, the world will still spin on its axis even if my to-do list sits there. There's something about that moment of stillness that can't be replaced by any amount of busy praying you know and then when my cup is empty I then begin to meditate on one phrase from a psalm so I I get bored easy so I change the psalm each week and I have a phrase that's good and true and I begin to fill my mind with that because as a worrier I've realized I'm I'm a really good meditator because I can go over and over and over something Mm -hmm. but what I didn't know is I could choose what that was so actually being able to bring a phrase that's good and true and make that the orbit of my thoughts has been well it's just a it's a lifesaver habit for me I still do it and then every time I make a copper which is a lot I just hold it in both my hands I know that I am held and that that story of well-being is not something I make happen it's not a feeling it's it's a fact that Jesus won for us at the cross this this shalom of God which is what I think well-being is is what holds us so sometimes I'm full of well-being but even when I'm not and I'm empty I, I, I don't panic so much you know because I'm held within this bigger story and the pausing frequently. So I pause beginning, middle and end of the day. I've got a certain set prayer I use, which is unusual to me as I'm a charismatic Baptist. It was a bit like, ooh, what's this? Set prayers, liturgy, is this all right? beautiful (laughs) when your words have run out and when extemporary make it up as you go along prayer just as fled from you because of loss or because of low mood, Um, you know, circumstances can can pull the words away from our heads. But these steady, you know, the Lord's Prayer, the Psalms, these steady, beautiful rhythms, they've really been a lifesaver for me.
1: Wow, that is so powerful. Thank you for that. And you've referenced this as well, this this idea of churchianity, the the church culture that can permeate some of the spaces that were supposed to be reserved for Jesus, right? And Mm -hmm. even though we explicitly won't say it, it feels like we're still trying to earn some of that love, right? We're still trying to earn it through our actions. And I wanted to ask you, how did you break free from that? Because I feel like there's so many people still trapped in this paradigm of trying to earn his grace instead of just resting as you said in those spaces where he can just touch
0: I don't us. I don't know if I have broken free I think that that's why I have these daily habits. I walk with that emotional and spiritual limp of knowing that I've wrestled with wow. God and I'll never walk the same again. But at the same time if I don't stick to these habits every day like you don't brush your teeth every day you're gonna get in trouble. I actually I have to remind myself, not because God makes me, or because I have to, because it's a duty, but because my freedom is predicated on reminding myself that there is a beautiful, wonderful Savior who loves me anyway. So that that year I had when I couldn't get out of bed, I literally could only watch. I was watching reruns of Dallas. I mean, don't you're too young to remember that, but it was rubbish the first time I really wasn't well but when I was doing that and nothing else I wasn't even able to care for my kids that was when I heard God say Ruth I could not love you anymore I'll never love you any less I will never forget that moment because I, I felt in that moment I wrote in my journal I would rather have this intimacy with you Lord than never get well again and actually I think I was repurposed in that moment to know that if I didn't get out of bed again, I wasn't of less value to him. And it gave me such um, freedom then to know that anything else I do is a bonus. It's not it's not earning what is already there I live within his well-being sometimes my body joins in my mind joins in but I live within that story that is my story his shalom and I think the practices of the simple quiet rhythms even you know sitting coloring in or doing a bit of furniture restoration these things reconnect me with the bigger story so that I keep reminding myself. And I don't think it's one of those one-off things that you nip to church on a Sunday, get a top up, and then you're all right for the week until the next conference. It's daily, minutely reminding yourself to practice the presence of God. That's where I'm coming from anyway.
1: I wanted to just share this verse with anybody who was listening because I think it comes alongside what you're saying. And it's this idea of waiting on the Lord, right? This is uh, Isaiah 40, 31. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I just think that you have just explained that so well to us today. And I just want to thank you once again. A few more questions before I let you go. Were there any ways that you think that lockdown um, with everything that's been going on has either accelerated or changed some of the trends that you've seen. I know that Renew Wellbeing does a lot of work in churches helping create spaces for people to come back to themselves. And I wondered if you have noticed anything different or that has maybe changed in the last few years.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been massive, hasn't it? And It's interesting you picked that verse from Isaiah 40 because that's just one of my very favourites. And that Hebrew word for wait is like the same as a spider making a web and that that constancy of making habits of waiting for the goodness. I think we have learned as churches maybe that actually the waiting for the Lord is where the strength comes from. We don't wait for his strength and then his strength is there. The waiting, the strength is in the waiting. And I think we had to wait a lot more, didn't we? We've had to wait for all sorts of normal things to happen. Mm-hmm. And in the waiting, I think the church has begun to ask different questions. Certainly, I mean, we started with one centre seven years ago where people could come along, bring a hobby, share a hobby, any faith and none. There's a prayer space, you can join in the Rhythms of Prayer. You know, partner with mental health services by the beginning of the first lockdown we had 50 spaces I thought well that's the end of that then you know they're all shut I think we're topping about 190 spaces now and wow. that's because in those two years when everything else ground to a halt the question emerged hang on are we okay no we're not okay what is the gospel how do we connect with our communities and I think the language of well-being is the language of connection because it's already out there and it is the gospel. So if we just learn to speak the same language, and in fact, the lockdown, I mean, the pandemic affected us all in the same way. We're not, but as God's people, we weren't immune from feeling lonely and isolated and a bit fearful. Um, and that whole, you know, where's all the stuff gone that we added in? And if we can find that shalom with nothing else, you know, not Jesus plus, but just Jesus, um, then we begin to have a very interesting conversation and I I think I feel quite hopeful that almost like a new, almost a new revolution of God's love is coming through these little spaces, these mm. calm and quiet spaces. Why would the church not be the heartbeat of well-being in every community? And look, we've got 50,200 churches in this nation, so I'm pleased with the 180, 190 centres, but oh no, I want a lot. I just can't think why a church wouldn't want a place where people can come and pray and that priority well-being and doesn't see the them and us of right church come on you've got to work harder and serve your community when really we're weary let's be honest let's be weary and let's be weary in an open way that invites people to meet with the God who sustains us join in the, the web of well-being if you like the web of, of waiting with us and um, so yeah I am weirdly hopeful that this pandemic has taught us something from all of our busyness.
1: So now, we come in to the end of this interview. I had one more question for Ruth, and this one was a little bit different than the rest. I wanted to get her sense of the old and the new. How we combine these things to create something that is fresh, but still rooted in a tradition that allows us to feel like we are part of this grander story. One of the things I referenced in the question was this cathedral. It's located in France, and it was built in the early 13th century. It's called Charter's Cathedral. In this cathedral, there's a labyrinth, or maze. Really, what it's supposed to do is give us a tool to allow us to really begin to contemplate and reconnect to ourselves in a way that maybe is foreign to us in the modern world. So, I asked Ruth, is there space today for a revival of the old while still maintaining some of the new.
0: I hope so Tosso I really hope so because when you look at how Jesus lived and walked and and went away on his own I mean in a three-year ministry spent quite a lot of it going and finding quiet places and being these ancient practices are not something odd or you know that we can't engage with because they're they're part of what Jesus was teaching us they're part of the rhythm of God's heartbeat and I, I do feel like um, we sort we label ourselves with the sort of Christian that we are but just it's all of it is all God. It's all His, the beauty of the things that He's helping us with. He knows we're dust. He knows we need the help of these rhythms and practices. And I'm loving, I won't be labeled by, you know, I'm if, if I was to be, I'm a charismatic contemplative, but let's not label it. I mean, I just think, actually, if I can encounter God in a quiet space in the middle of a, a, a labyrinth, I will. If I encounter Him in the wild worship of many people together, I will. I just want to encounter the presence of God. I want other people too, as well you know and and to make it simpler and I do think in some of the quieter calmer rhythms for people who aren't well for people whose heads are rattling there's a place where we can if, if we can bear to be quiet for a bit others will find the god we love with us in the quieter spaces just as much and I would say maybe even more than the noisy ones so just a thought
1: was a great way to end. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please feel free to share or get in touch. We're on most social media platforms at UCB Media. Today, my conversation was with the lovely Ruth Rice. She's the founder and director of Renew Wellbeing, as well as the author of A to Z of Wellbeing. Be sure to check it out wherever books are sold. Anyway, that's all for now. This has been Time to Grow. I'll catch you in the next one. Be well.